why would you after that? Yeah. yeah Craig's, Craig's uh, struggling. His investment in, in technology has, has let him down again. <laughs> it really has. I'm, I'm in, <coughs> I'm in tatters here. Give me a, give me a second. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, why, why is anybody going to listen to a man that's like having a freaking jolly up every two days over last Christmas? I just can't believe a well-known scumbag is a scumbag. I can't believe it. Yeah. Another news, another news water is wet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Fucking hell. What a disaster. <laughs> oh God. It makes you just want to go to sort of live somewhere. Just, with no one else anywhere near you. It's just the, the amount of, I did, I did, it does feel like the last two years has, has really been an indictment on humanity. It really has. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really has. Um, <laughs> Craig, you are looking for your trip home soon. Uh, apparently. apparently. What's, the, yeah. what's the story there? I know that it seems to be changing every day. So how's that looking? When do you, when do you look to fly out? Looking to fly Wednesday. So, uh it's like wednesday evening so i need to get a test at the very earliest on monday to try and get that out of the way um but given the transmissible aspect of this new variant i'm i am worried for sure but but i can you do bring a speech on tuesday as well we'll see what he says probably nothing it's a, it's a bit late to close everything down right you would but. think so I just don't think they'll do it here now. I don't think they will. I think England England are talking about a, a circuit breaker. I don't think this country's going to bother with anything. Yeah. Adam, how's life as a new father? Yeah. Uh, it's good. Um, it's great, but I, I am yeah. exhausted. Uh, case in point, uh, I tried <laughs> to watch the game the other day, and then around the sort of 65 minutes, my notes get a little bit sparse because she started crying and, I don't know, peed somewhere or whatever so my my life <laughs> my my content on this episode is going to be sporadic at best uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't think uh, there's a lot to talk about anyway so i think you'll probably get away with it yeah there's yeah. there's both a lot to talk about and not a lot to talk about on this one it's a very very strange episode um episode 154 for those tuning in uh josh adam and craig are all here uh, we're recording on the weekend uh, before Christmas, we thought this was going to be a nice double header with Wolves and Manchester United back to back. But we've had one game the whole week, uh, and we've actually only had one game all day today. Uh, the the rout uh, of Arsenal at Ellen Road um, against Leeds. Uh, how how are we feeling? I guess let's start with 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 the obvious thing: the postponements that are going on. Um, how, how are we feeling about the future of the Premier League uh, in the near future? Obviously, in the like one way or another, it would have to get done. Uh, but how are we feeling about this this Christmas period uh, and what's going to be going on here? Do we do we see postponements? Uh, do we see full on league suspensions? Uh, and how how useful would a full on league suspension be anyway? Um, if this variant is as transmissible as it is, are we thinking that it's probably just going to if we put a two week break on it, is it just going to happen anyway in two weeks time what what how are we feeling about that you sort of have well there's there's two ways to look at this there's as a fan as a spectator i selfishly want to watch as many games as humanly possible over this christmas period um so yeah continue go on let's let's see what happens but i think if you're actually looking at this from with someone with some actual humanity they sort of would have to bring the bubbles back really wouldn't they um keep it all in house uh and and do what kind of what the nba did in the early days or last year or whatnot over here um where each individual team was was locked down to a certain extent and the games could go forward um if not i, I think it's a fast the way that these games are currently going on but my number one opinion is we should never play that game against wolves this week stupid um, and the team are apparently still outraged. They put in a request to have the game moved and it was declined. Um, it, what, being punished because they came forward and said that, you know, we found these tests and we have to now, these players can't play. Oh, but the game's going to go ahead because of the knock-on ramifications that it has. And now, lo and behold, look at where we are today. Every game apart from one is cancelled. So we put out an interesting team with zero depth 
I lose against Wolves. Um, and that's frustrating. And and if that happens more than once for any any team, then suddenly you're going to get start, people start going, this year, it, this was unfair. And I think we have to avoid that piece. It has to be, let's get away from unfair. So make one rule or the other. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it any better, really, because you are going to get that sense of unjust to, to some teams, especially when we played against Wolves. It was a stronger team than we thought it was going to be, but the depletion is there. Um, whilst you see across the rest of this game week, some of them being postponed with two hours notice, two and a half hours notice, Burnley Flans already on their way to, to the game and then it getting cancelled two hours prior. So it, it sounds like a very reactive and nobody really knows what's going on. We would like one rule and one rule only, but it seems that this has hit so quickly that some of us do feel unjust and compare our Man United postponement to, to some of the postponements we saw with Burnley and Watford. Uh, there's, there's a case there that, you know, some of these teams are getting the brunt more so than the others. And I think as Adam alluded to, if that continues on, then there is going to be some sense of well, season unjust in the results that we see at the end of the season. And to add to the humanity thing, right, by by doing those things, and exactly as you said, because I think it was Watford and Burnley midweek had the same thing. It was hours away. Watford had already travelled up to Burnley. A lot of fans had already gone up there. That also becomes uh, a transmission danger, right? They've just spent three hours on public transport in the middle of an incredibly aggressive variant, I guess, that's incredibly transmissible. And you're then coming all the way back home before Christmas, uh, and you didn't even get to see a game. Um, and and you know if you're trying to f- stop those things, it seems that it just seems a bizarre choice to wait so long. Um, I understand that obviously you can't decide as and when those tests are going to come back positive. Obviously, but I think for me the same as. Uh, Adam said and Craig's alluded to, I feel like you've got to you've got to commit to the bubble now and, and just go fanless, crowdless for a month or something like that, at least for the foreseeable. Um, you know, if 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 Boris and his friends are telling people to work from home where possible, travel to things that only are meaningful to you, blah, 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 blah. Then at that point, I think you need to start thinking, OK, well, then maybe there shouldn't be 30,000 in the Amex if you can actually get anywhere near 30,000 these days. But you know what I mean? like, uh, And I know that Southern Rail was a mess on Wednesday. I a wouldn't lot of define people... it to a singular day. It's mainly a day anyway. Why, isn't it? It's <laughs> yes. my past experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever been on Southern Rail whenever, whenever it hasn't been a disaster. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but I'm led to believe from fans on the day it was an especial disaster uh, this weekend, this week, midweek. Um, add on to the fact that I did see Seagulls travel had an awful lot of last minute cancellations and most of them said it was due to COVID fear and, you know, stuff like that. That doesn't help the Amex crowd as it is. It almost feels like it's a logical point to start saying, Hey, it's Christmas anyway, go spend it with the people you want to spend it with. Don't worry about the football. We're going to isolate as well. And we'll just play behind closed doors. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think at this point, everyone's just talked ad nauseum to, to this whole thing. I, I did this to another podcast the other day, though. I think the domino effect that you have around what happens with these game postponements and things like that, just on the whole, I guess the financial, because let's face it, as much as we'd like to say that there is a health consideration for all of these things, that probably factors into about 10% of the, the, the 100. And 90% of this is all driven by finance. So... If we, if we cancel a game, that means obviously then we don't get the gate receipts. Sky Sports are unhappy and whomever else is, is making money from this. Then suddenly players are getting paid, but we've got nothing coming in from elsewhere. This period of time during this Christmas period is when the TV providers make all their money, right? This is where they get everyone to then say, okay, I'm going to sign up. And then they stay subscribers. You get some of the pay-per-view elements that are there at the moment. Um that has to come into it. So they, they just they just need to pick it. I, I feel like, though, even from that standpoint, you'd rather just do behind closed doors than completely postpone the game because that, that just creates more chaos. 
and you've got more people possibly signing up at that point. Right. So, okay, well, I'm not going out because I don't want to go out and risk anything. I want to see grandma on Christmas and I'm not able to go to the Amex. So I'll sign up to Amazon Prime for this week. And inevitably, as you say, five out of 10 people will forget all about Amazon yeah, Prime. It's the only That's show great. in town. I want to watch. I just let me watch something. Yeah. Onto the game itself. Uh, as you said, it, it was an interesting lineup. Um, Joel Veltman and Dan Byrne as uh, part of the back four uh, with, with Lamptey and Kukurea on each side. Uh, Kukurea was one of those that was rumoured to be part of the COVID hit list, uh, along with goalkeeper Robert Sanchez. Both played. Great news. Uh, Mope was also rumoured to be on that list, and obviously that seems to have been the case as well because he was not at all in the squad um, and most certainly would have been uh, if he was fit and able to be playing. Uh, namely because Aaron Connolly was the alternative uh, and we will touch on that later on as well. Um, no doubt I'll upset some of his uh, fans on Twitter again, but... Don't use the plural. It's, I think there's uh, probably only one. <laughs> it's just multiple accounts with the same person scrolling through them. It's just misses, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Basuma was there, which is good. Uh, Moda, Wepu, Sonny March, uh, Aaron Connolly, Trossard. Um, was the starting lineup. As Craig said, stronger than we thought. Um, but as as Adam said, the depth was was left wanting. Um, and I mean, what, what options do you have at that point? Potter only has so many people he can pick from. Um, and we had uh, Evan Ferguson, Ed Turns, and Mark Leonard on the bench, um, along with Hayden Roberts, uh, who's kind of a bench mainstay at this point, but is still a more of a youth product than anything else. Uh, Jason Steele seems to be the goalkeeper in question. Uh, it was not so much a rumor as, as a definite that one of the goalkeepers had COVID. Um, everybody was very concerned it was Sanchez due to fantasy Premier League movements. Um, but alas, thank God it wasn't him. Uh, so Sherpin made the bench. Um, and then we also had McAllister, Lalana, Taylor, Richards and Alzate. Um, before we even get to the game itself, quick question, because uh, Potter actually brought it up before the game had even began. Uh, five substitutions with everything going on. Are you for or against implementing five subs in a game as opposed to three? Yep, absolutely. I think where where you've got squad depth as, a, as an issue, um, and we're talking about the use of a 23-man squad, especially where you may be seeing some of these positive cases, I'm absolutely all for it. Um, if, again, we, we go back to that, go to one rule and allow all the teams to use that one rule. Um, I, I don't see why anyone would see it as a bad thing. I think there was the originally chatter, wasn't it, that the the teams on the lower half of the, the let's say the other 14 writers were classifying them, uh, didn't love the idea because it favours, you could argue, that the squads like the cities where they have a whole full strength second 11 that they can then just bring in five of each game and, and keep these fresh legs throughout a longer season. But I don't know. I, I, li I like having the flexibility even as being one of those quote-unquote smaller teams. I believe that that vote went through and only seven voted in favour. And I believe per Andy Naylor, it was the traditional big six, uh, maybe eight actually. I think it was the traditional big six, Leicester and us were the only ones in favour. Um, all of the other 14, as you say, were against it. Um it was only, it was only the Albion really that that had not considered part of that big group that that wanted it. Um, and if I recall correctly, uh, I would have to go way back into the podcast catalog. But I believe there was a stat saying that we were one of the best teams record like record wise uh, when we did have that five subs option uh, for that time when we were playing behind. Well, it's because it enables Potter to change the formation fifteen times during the game. So you know, of course, he's going to want it. <laughs> Yeah, and it was working, clearly, because we were getting results <laughs> yeah. we maybe shouldn't have. Um, when you looked at that side, uh, probably not a huge cause for uh, for optimism, um, but we did once again win the game on XG, uh, which shows that the team itself can create chances. Um, again, I'm, I'm going to start copying and pasting this small clip into every single one going forward so we can just save this 45-second piece. Uh, but, yeah, we, we have plenty of shots we had plenty of the ball, almost 60% possession. Uh, and for a team that were basically untouched with COVID in Wolves, um, 
the only real loss that they had was, of course, Huang with the injury very early on. Um, and then him. And Why his- didn't they take him off, by the way? Let him just pull the hamstring more. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. But I didn't I didn't like seeing Adama. We talked about this during the game. That's that wasn't nice. Like, oh god, okay, they've lost their false nine strike. Who are they gonna bring? Oh no, it's him. Oiled up and ready to go. Oiled up, yep. Yeah, I texted my other friend the other day and it was uh, mid-2000s, Randy Orton and Adama Traore are like mm. single-handedly keeping the baby oil industry alive. At this point. <laughs> <laughs> they are. He was he was wet um, from it. He was loving life. Uh, yeah, Juan got hurt, agreed. I couldn't believe that he <laughs> he was allowed to just play on and keep going. Um, and, and then, of course, Jimenez had the yellow cards just like Duffy, so he wasn't able to play. Um, oh no, he had the double yellow card, didn't he? In like 48 seconds or something like that. So he had the one game, yes. Back. Yeah, um, the side itself, as we said, wasn't particularly inspiring. Clearly, a lot of depth having to be utilized. We continued to create chances, we won on XG, and we ended up losing 1 0. Um, I know we keep going on about this ad nauseum. Uh, again, totally ineffective from set pieces. Uh, their Ugh. goal their goal came from a set piece um just thoughts in general for for the overarching <laughs> stuff before we get into the players themselves either one of you <laughs> my notes i've got two lines one just says moda set piece uh and then it says march set piece uh um and then burn what the fuck was that so yeah it's just it, we can't I don't I don't know what the problem is with the set pieces. I, I don't get it. Um Mwepu just every time I think Mwepu's figured his stuff out, he starts getting into a game, he has a good 15 minutes, nice little bit of link up play, and then just some the cut that chance where he just he had the he was two feet out and he just shanked it over. Um Wolves gave us this game to start with. They started out so negative, they sat back. They didn't do anything and we just couldn't capitalize on it. I think that was the most frustrating thing for me. Um, and that was really, uh, and we just let them get into it. And we, as, as always, we just, we beat ourselves at a certain point. Um, and I'm so, I think the biggest frustration in this game is, is this counterattack situation that we, we just can't, we can't deal with it, especially when it's against the side um, that play with counterattack pace. And yes, we had a challenge with um, injuries, but Byrne is not a fast man. Veltman's got a little bit of pace to him, but we just, we can't deal with them. We just get carved apart with, and, and frankly, if, um, was it Pedence? Yeah, it was Pedence, who I felt like if he was just a slightly better player, they could have scored three goals. There was so many guilt edge chances where he either didn't pass or just skied it where a better player would have just slotted those home. Um, and that's, that's become a problem. Yeah. I think especially in the first, yeah, with the counterattacks, the, the set pieces, I wanted to mention immediately. Um, Moda can't beat the first man five times out of Never. what seven occasions. Uh, I thought that was the most infuriating thing about that entire game that, you know, at least put it into some area. And if you know you're going to hit the first man, then go short. I'm not the biggest fan of a short corner per like anyway. But if you if you can't beat the first man categorically, which Moda seems like he can't, then something else has to happen. And um, so that was infuriating. Yeah, the lack of pace in that centre back pairing, um, and just the. I mean, even from a centre mid perspective, just even that backup when it did happen, it just seemed a bit lackadaisical from the rest of the team and getting back as well, trying to help. But it may be because we were huffing and puffing so much when actually not doing anything with the ball in the final third. And then just not coming back to help, which leaves a very tired Lamptey who's running up and down all day um, and Dan Byrne, who can take three strides in, what, 10 seconds. So... Big strikes. It's very big strikes. It covers a lot of ground, but um, when you when you've got those sort of players that you're playing against in Traore, Pedence, um, Trincao as well, very tricky players that are also very quick, especially off the line, then it 
was going to cause us problems. And I think Adam, you're right. If they if they had better finishers and they had better decision makers, uh, then we could have easily lost that game by three or four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was. I think it was a really good example for me uh, as to how really desperate we are up front. Um, getting onto the players themselves. Uh, we had no choice but to play Aaron Connolly yesterday. Clearly, Lacadia is either way out of favour at this point, or he is. He also was on the COVID list. Really could have been either. Um, uh, he would at least been on the bench with what the depth we had. He has to have been on the COVID list. That's that was my that was my summary as well. Um, because yeah, he he surely would have been on there. Um, I, I have to admit, I was disappointed not to see Evan Ferguson come on um, just to provide something different. Uh, because I felt that Taylor Richards, um, before we get onto the Aaron Connolly slander, uh, Taylor Richards, um, not ready. I know, I know Adam said this in the chat, I think at the time, but whatever performances he was putting in, in league one, um, they are not yet translatable into the premier league, not even close. Um, no. he looks way too slow, uh, and way off the pace. And I'll be honest, I thought I thought he looked a little bit off the pace and just a little bit slow in the in the Carabao Cup games, and they were against Championship opposition. Um, so I would very much like to see him go out on loan to a Championship side uh, in January. Um, my my one hang up there, which we can talk about in a little bit too, probably we will do when it comes to transfers and stuff, is that I've been reading in a couple of different places that loan moves look very unlikely due to the need for squad depth across the country, not just Premier League or us. Um, people are getting a bit scared uh, and are wanting to hoard. Um, yeah, Taylor Richards, he clearly isn't ready for me. Well, there's, you get that, that those maxims, that cliche of uh, the, the, the speed of the premiership. And I think you see that with him. I think you see that with Wep- Wepu. And for me, it's when, when they take that extra half a second on the ball uh, and they just, and that's it, you lose it. You either your passing lane breaks up or you have another defender closing you down. Um, and Wolves, despite Matinho possibly being 50 years old, Matinho and Nev, Neves, Neves, whatever, however you say it, really good central def- uh, defensive midfield pairing that can sit back there and then press up on you when you take too long. It just played into their hands. But he's he's, he's not there. It's... it's- we know about the academy and how it works and that pathway to the first team. It seems that he's completely missed that championship level where he needs a good season in that championship. Obviously, he was doing bits in Doncaster in, in League One, but the championship obviously seems to have just gapped that and deemed fit enough or ready enough for the first team. Uh, I just agree with Adam. It's just that half a second that you normally get in lower leagues, he, he just doesn't get. Uh, so every single time he got the ball, he thought he had more time than he did. Um, compare that against a, a very good midfield pairing and bear in mind that Wolves haven't conceded a lot of goals at all this season. Very well. organised defensively. So yes. very hard to break down at the best of times, let alone with someone that even we can see is off the pace. Uh, th- th- I'll, I'll throw a positive in there though couple of the times when he didn't take too long or he did have the extra half second, he can pick out a really nice pass. So there's a player in there, uh, stating the obvious, um, but hopefully, maybe we could do a little switcheroo with with Kadra, bring him back and then we'll send him out because Kadra's playing pretty well. It seems like he's been playing well pretty much all season whenever he gets on. I think he had an injury early on, but other than that, he seems to be very effective for Blackburn, um, who are also flying, by the way. Maybe Well, they can send us Raritan as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, the substitutions, I think, were the best example of just how little cutting edge we've got uh, to change a game as well. Um, Adam Lalana and McAllister. Uh, for me, controversially, I felt that McAllister just showed exactly why he's not particularly starting too many games. Can we have a conversation about him? What's happened there? He must say, I don't know what he's doing in training, but it can't be good. Uh, even when we're depleted to the level that we're at, he, he's still on the bench. So, I mean, you, you're also talking about three centre mids there where Pesuma, Mwepu and Moda, they were playing anyway, even without mm. the depletion. So I think you can read into it a little bit, but clearly he's not he's not showing anything in training that says that he should be 
replacing one of those in the starting 11. It's weird. Passing was off as well. Like just even the things that you think he should be good at and the things that he showed he was good at before. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what's, what's occurred there, but he's regressed. I think to say otherwise would be misleading. Yeah, massively. Uh, I thought it was totally ineffectual. It was, it was not really much of much of a substitution at all. Um, Again, to me, I feel like the only person that could have made an impact was Evan Ferguson, but at 17 years old, uh, Graham clearly wasn't a believer of that's the sort of thing he wanted to bring on. Um, He opted for Taylor Richards instead at the end there, Um, which probably, you know, he's not an idiot. He knows what he wants and what he doesn't want. He probably didn't think that they were really in a position to be coming on and trying to change a game in the Premier League. Um, And I would trust his judgment on that. which then just tells you how utterly bereft of, of, of options we are, even when fully fit. Um, you know, I think we've mentioned this before, even with a fully fit side and you look at the bench, who who is there that's going to come on and, and like an Adama Traore, who's going to change a game because he, he usually is coming on as a substitute as opposed to coming on as as uh, as anything else. Um, it was, it's tough. It's the striking options, isn't it? I, I think we, we spoke about this as soon as the transfer window slammed shut, that having three strikers was never going to be enough, let alone one that we simply don't believe in. And um, Lucardio, who is more interested in his music career anyway. So it it was a strange one. And trying to... I think you can read into social media a lot as well, but hedging your bets on a 17-year-old to come in and change a Premier League game when you saw Taylor Richards come in and be ineffectual, Alex (laughs) McAllister, who's played for Boca Juniors and the Argentinian national team, also ineffectual. So I think you need to put him in that no-pressure situation like we talked about before, where there isn't any pressure on him. He can go out and play his own game. You don't want to warp that mindset at 17. It's just going to, it's not going to be good for him. Oh, we knew we were going to lose this game, though. I mean, we talked about this on the on the last show. Our pattern over the last X number of games since <laughs> since the twenty seventh of September: draw, 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 loss, draw, 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 loss, draw, 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 loss. I mean, it it didn't matter what we team we'd have put out; we'd have, we'd have lost the game. And now we'll draw the next three, and we'll see what happens. But I will say, you you've got to be if you're Basuma, you 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 might be kind of happy right because you picked up your second yellow card during this game you're gonna you were gonna miss the man you game today might now miss the game against brentford um so that's if it doesn't get cancelled but just another thing to note there yeah um let's talk about aaron Connolly uh because he played the first hour um in very much the same role as mope is asked to play uh, the, the middle kind of focal point of a front three with trossard and march alongside him um, and kind of playing off of him. Uh, Mope, as we know, likes to play that kind of, it's become a part of his game to play that Harry Kane type role where he will come back to the halfway line if necessary to get involved in the play, uh, which allows Trossard especially to just roam forward if he wants to. Uh, and has been very good at that all year, I think is one of the few bright spots um, of the season so far is how good Trossard has been just about anywhere in the front th- final third. Um, Aaron Connolly opted not to do that uh, no dropping back whatsoever. Um, no real attempt to uh, beat a man. Uh, and 13 touches overall. Um, that's less than anybody else on the team, including uh, substitutes Taylor Richards, who came on with seven, well, about 18 minutes to go because we had a momentous amount of injury time. Um, we had Taylor Richards come on and had 15 touches, uh, and Lalana had 14. Um, and an hour of Aaron Connolly. And uh, the team basically dominating the ball. Um, he managed a whopping 13 touches of the ball uh, and was largely a passenger, um, in my opinion. Uh, didn't particularly do a great deal. Um, please just send him on loan on January. He's. I would rather us just get Zakiri back and, and take him out. At least he's showing something at Augsburg. Yeah, just shuffled the deck at this point. Um, we'll send some players out, bring some players back, see what we can do. Because right now, obviously, it's, we don't have a situation that's effective. I'm not the, you're the stat guy, Josh, but I think that the thing that alarmed me and 
really case in point to Aaron Connolly's failed career up until this point. Despite the touches, I think part of that is, is the way Wolves play and the way they, they arrange defensively, which Craig into that. He had seven pressures throughout his time on the pitch. So he doesn't even do that role that we know Neil Mope does so well, right, where he does the closing down. He's just a lazy player. And you can be lazy if you're really, really good. And he's lazy and also quite shit. Um, so that's all I've got to say about that. To give you to give context to the listeners, uh, Solly March and Trossard were clearly playing up and alongside him, um, and they had thirteen and twelve pressures. So he was only uh, Veltman um, and Sanchez had less, who were not substitutes. Came off after sixty minutes, obviously, but there's a reason for that because I don't think we'd done much more anyway with the thirty minutes. That's that's the testament to, and I was I was thinking about this just whether. You know when a manager loses a dressing room or, you know, it, looking at it from a player perspective that simply the players aren't interested in Connolly being that focal point or just doesn't believe in him either, um, which would equate to less touches, which means that the decision-making for Trossard and March is, well, I'm not going to pass it to Connolly because it, the likelihood of that working is lower than anybody else. So does that now come into play where every other player is also seeing it and the, what what is this guy doing? Half as many pressures when you're in that position to do that as your main focus um, and even dropping in to try and get the ball or trying to make something happen. We say this about Mope all the time when we do have a game like this where we make chances but eventually we lose. You can see at least Mope's trying. At least he's trying to get something to work and he's trying to make something out of nothing. But Connolly isn't doing anything. Uh and it, again, to Adam's point, Wolves are incredibly good defensively and are very well organized to a point where very little teams score against them this season. Um, but combine that with the fact that we know what we're getting out of Connolly and it's not a lot. It just meant that we had absolutely nothing. Yep. Uh, elsewhere on the pitch, I, I will say I, I thought Robert Sanchez had a good game. Um, which is, makes a nice change, uh, given how shaky he's been lately. Um, I thought he made a couple of good saves. Not much he could do with the one that w- went in. Um, did, that did. was a world-class ball yeah. from Ruben, Ruben Neves. World-class. Shades yeah. of Deco uh, for, for Barcelona a few years back, or Chelsea, depending on your, your flavour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would be surprised if there's many opting on the Chelsea option for Deco. Uh, um, but I thought I thought that Sanchez played pretty well. Um, and and despite him being a little bit off the pace and despite him missing two guilt-edged chances, it did still feel like Mwepu was the way forward in terms of something coming from this game, um, which maybe is part of the problem, right, that, that Mwepu looked the most likely uh, to do something. Um he doesn't look afraid to shoot. He doesn't look afraid to do something risky. Um, I'm a bit gutted for him that he didn't manage to score because I think he deserved it. Um, Maybe he should be afraid to shoot uh, because, <laughs> because, I mean, obviously the Liverpool goal is that that will live in his memory forever. But there, he had two really good chances, and I think that the slight shame or irony of one of them was that one right at the end of the first half was we finally had a good set piece i can't remember who put the ball in but it was a free kick that was actually not terrible and trossard got that shot off and it kind of the ball bubbled around the keeper spilled it i think dan burn like hit it with the side of his ankle or god knows what he was doing um and then good weapons right there and just skies it and he did something else later on in the game too um it's but who else? Who else is scoring? We talk. We, how many times have we talked about this? Who else is going to score for you? This on the pitch. You, you go back to Trossard, and for me, God, I was really disappointed with Trossard for the first. I don't even know how long of the game. I I I, I didn't see him play. I didn't think he was playing for the first thirty-five minutes. Um, and if he's not, if he's having an off day, Trossard, it's tough when you don't have anyone else pitching him. And it really is, uh, because when you're looking at the the goals, right, throughout the team, um, Morpé has six of them, which is almost half of them anyway. Um, 
Leandro next up with three. And the player we were just talking about is going totally off the boil. Alexis McAllister is our third top scorer with two goals. Can't even get in the team. And after that, you've got Welbeck, Mwepu, and Duffy at one each. Uh, Lalana, no goals. Moda, no goals. Uh, Lewis Dunk, no goals. Kukurea, nothing. Webster, nothing. Uh, Solly March, nothing. Pascal Gross, Jack. Tarek Lamptey, nothing. Basuma, nothing. It's outrageous at this point. We're 16 games in. No one, no one seems capable of chipping in at this point. We've had that conversation as well, haven't we? Where where are they coming from if it's not from Morpe? Um, it, it is terrible that you know. And here's here's where all the you know the XG merchants and bits and pieces. That's all great and fine, but we watch it week in week out, and you know this has been a problem for close to a season and a half now, and it hasn't been addressed to the level we would like it to be addressed. Um. And some some people are getting to that point where you you can dress up stats and bits and pieces, but it is eleven to what eleven twelve games without a win, um, and you know you you can be as pessimistic if you want, or, or you know in in light of that. But any other manager that goes twelve games without a win um, would at least come under some scrutiny um, rather than it just saying, oh, it just wasn't our day for the 11th game running. Um, I'm all for pottering. I, it's not it's not a question not for a me. Question. Yeah. But, but you can make that argument now. Well, with the game cancellations, right? We hinted at this on the, on the, on the previous uh, conversation that we had. If Brentford goes ahead on the 26th with... Who knows, right? Brentford's pretty close to this epicenter of a breakout in in London town. So you could see that game being cancelled. And then we've got Chelsea on the 29th. Again, London team could see that being cancelled. Suddenly that puts us in January. Again, a reminder for those that aren't keeping track. We've not won a Premier League game since the 19th of September, which, let's face it, was a lucky win against Leicester. We probably didn't deserve to win that game. Um, that's not okay at any level of football, really. Um, and it's all well and good. We've had all of these draws and clutched these 94th minute equalizers to get a point and walk away from the game. But I think you remember, and I'll give credit to Josh for this. When we were flying high in the table at the start of the season, constant, you were constantly saying that we need relegation is still the number one priority. We've got tough runner games coming up. We have to, that has to be the focus. And lo and behold, we're slowly slipping, slipping, slipping. We're in 13th, 13th position now. And there's not a lot in it for us to then fall right down into that 16th, 17th area. Um, tough, tough time. Yeah, it is. Is there, is there any other players you wanted to touch on before we get to the bigger picture? Um <laughs> I was going to ask you for your man of the matches, but I'm jet like, I'm struggling. Um, uh, Tony Harrington for giving us 11 minutes of stoppage time to see if we could score a goal. <laughs> and arguably it wasn't enough. No, no. Oh, I, I said that to you guys as it was happening as well. I don't, they could have given us another 30 minutes and it wouldn't have changed. I, t- I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know who you could realistically say, walked away from that game with their head held high and was a fantastic I mean Basuma was decent yep um, but for his level wasn't fantastic I got I got nothing for you it was nice to see Lamptey get 90 minutes though I'll say that yes out of necessity true. rather than choice perhaps yeah that's true um yeah I've, I've really got nothing um which is wild really um I thought Solly March had a better game uh, than he has done recently when asked to play further forward. Uh-huh. Uh, that's a positive because um, he has been largely anonymous when asked to do that the last couple of weeks. Um, he definitely wasn't. I thought he played a lot better this week. Didn't do anything, but uh, he, he looked a lot better. Um, Lanana was decent uh, when he came on. Like he showed his quality, but didn't really get much much time to do that. Yep seven minutes did he play something like that yeah well about 20 in the end because of the 11 minutes true yes yeah yeah, yeah. 
Um, but most of that was spent on the touchline anyway, because uh, Wolves were throwing themselves around. Markow especially. Um, yes. Which I thought was just insanity. Horrible um, gamesmanship, and the referee didn't know that he could yellow card people for time-wasting, it seems. Yeah, yeah. Um, onto the league hole then. Uh, as you said, we're slowly slipping down the table. Um, Leeds have now played two games more than us and are still four points off of us. Uh, Burnley have one game in hand on us. Both of us have Spurs in hand. Uh, the other one is against Watford, so a real six-pointer between those two. And then Newcastle and Norwich have a game in hand. Well, we have a game in hand on Newcastle and Norwich as well. But as you said, we're winless in 11 Premier League games, winless in 12 altogether. But in the in the games, it matters because that was a penalty shootout too, right? Uh, so out of the 11, we're winless. Um, I think the main reason we're not having more people crawl out of the woodwork of Potter out is because we are still fourth in the table for losses. Uh, only Manchester City, Chelsea and Liverpool have lost less than us. Um, we are eking out draw after draw after draw. Um, however, it is worth noting that we are in the bottom six for wins as well. So it's all well and good continuing to get all these draws. But as you say, we are inevitably starting to slip down the table. Um, I think I posted this stat to you two and I definitely tweeted it. No team uh, has gone 15 winless in the Premier League and stayed up. Uh, who the hell knows what those next four are going to be? Um, they could be Brentford. They could be Chelsea. They could be Palace. They could be none of them. Uh, they, like, who knows at this point? Um, yep. It's not even worth thinking of what those four fixtures are going to be uh, because we simply just cannot even guess at this point. Um but there's never an easy game in the Premier League regardless, right? So we've got four Premier League games uh, before we go 15 winless. Um, although I would probably say we are the anomaly with the draws. Is is there any part of you uh, that's getting further and further towards the, oh shit, we might go down point? Or are we still thinking that we should be okay? Uh, but are a bit squeaky? Or are we just, yeah, we're fine. I, I think it's I think it's squeaky, but I I wouldn't be in that completely glass half empty camp. You know, we're we're still picking up results. Um, if you draw thirty eight times through the season, that's typically enough to stay up. So you know, if you put it that way, if you want to go down the theoretical side of things, then fine. Um, I just I think the good start to the season has clouded everyone's expectations for this season. And Mm -hmm. when the reality was, is that we want to aim for that area where we're just out of touch of the relegation dogfight. And that was where I was hoping for us to be, you know, around that 11th to 14th mark where you're never really in any peril, but you know, you're still there and thereabouts. That's where I'm still expecting us to be. I think there are three or four worst teams definitely worse than us this season. Um, it would be obviously incredibly disappointing to find ourselves in that dogfight. Um, but if we were, I would like to think that we would see ourselves safe before the last few games of the season. And that's that's the absolute worst is what I can think. Norwich are done in my mind. I don't care what Dean Smith does. I don't care what magic beans he has. They're minus 26 goal difference. Like they look terrible. Just so you're you're looking for two teams. Um yeah, we've set our piece on Newcastle. I think we have differing opinions there. I think they come just out really just really quick yeah. to put context as to how bad that is for Norwich. Leeds have just conceded eleven goals in a week, and they are still Eight goals better off yes. than Norwich are. Yeah, that's incredible, that's isn't it? How bad? Yeah, they they are they are historically bad, um, not just bad. Um, Newcastle not massively behind them, but again, I I, I see an injection there. Leeds. I mean, we're we're recording this just off the back of this Leeds Arsenal game. Ooh. now they're in a really horrible spot at the moment, aren't they? Because. It, their, their Bielsa play style works really nicely when you're firing on all cylinders and you've got your Bamfords and, and Rafinhas and everyone doing their job. Horrible ravaged by injury situation that they've got. Uh, and defensively, they are laughable. Horrible. Um, you've got to worry about them. you also got to worry about Bielsa's not a sane man. Um, you could see him just getting up and going, I'm done with this. I, I don't like it anymore. Um, but give them the credit. Their fans 
are backing him because of the history that he's he's brought them over the last couple of seasons. I wish, you know, we were a little bit more amenable on our side um, with, with Potter too. So long story short here, I'm looking at, I'm still looking at Watford. I don't think they have the quality to stay up. I've got nice attacking players, but defensively just disastrous. And I think that I, I'm, my money is on Burnley finally. I think this is the one. This is the one where it falls apart for them. Um, and I still think Newcastle's just stay up. So I think we will be okay, but I don't like it. I don't feel comfortable. It makes me nervous. And there's a lot of football to still be played, especially with all these game postponements. Anything could happen. Mope gets injured for us and we don't sign someone in the January transfer window. Then this is a different conversation. Yeah, and I think that's where we go to next, right? Like the inevitable cash injection that Newcastle are about to get is probably going to be enough in and of itself to squeak through enough points um, to, to keep them safe. Burnley is not simply not going to inject that money. Um, we've seen that. We've we've seen that for years. They're, they're simply not willing to. Different uh, owners, though, this time. I'm owned by an American consortium of who knows what. But So maybe that will be different, but you're probably right. Yeah, yep. Uh and at the same time, going on the on the general, um, going off of the general track record that American owners have of, of bringing like coming into teams that are not top six teams, uh, their spend record is, is pretty awful as it is. They they tend to just milk that money and bounce. Uh, Swansea is is a particular uh, casualty to that. Never well, forget, they they Mr. might stick Bradley. them on the blockchain. And, uh, and sell some NFTs. I got into an argument on Twitter about this. We can talk about that. I don't want to, to cut you <laughs> off, but I, that was, yeah, fun discussion about the week's goings on around that, I think. NFTs, uh, yeah, what a joke. Um, I'm sure there's some Gen Zers that will listen to this and say, you just don't get it, man. Um, but I, you're right. I don't I don't get pictures of monkeys. I can just control and save us. Um, <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I at this point, I am I am not comfortable either, um, and it's really sad and annoying that I'm having to think. Yeah, I think there are three worse teams than us, because that shouldn't be the case. There maybe point. maybe are. Yeah, yeah, maybe because, like you said, there's a lot of football to be played, and this is not going to be a regular season. Clearly, this is this is going off the rails very quickly. Um, for me. If you really do value Graham Potter as your manager and you support him with everything you've got, despite it being something that you really don't want to do or like doing in January more than ever, I think Tony has got to get that checkbook out and he's got to back him with a player or two um, in January that that he believes would be able to get us out of the the funk we're in. Um Recall a couple of loans, your Zakiris, your your um, what's the lad's name, Caicedo's, um, your Cadres. Shuffle the deck, as Adam said. I think that would be a great idea. Send out a couple that clearly aren't working. Your Connolly, your Taylor Richards, for two different reasons altogether, but send them both out. Um, get them game time that they desperately need. And I think you've got to back him. I think you've got to back him now, or I think you run the risk of losing him. Um, Either a team in and around us are going to see what he's believe what he's capable of and, and, and get him, and he's going to want to leave because he doesn't feel supported all the way through. Uh, or I worry he may just get to the point where he's like, I'm, I'm done. Like I, like, I don't see how I can, you know what I mean? I do worry that he could get to that point. Well, there's, there are going to be jobs at the end of the season that are, um, I don't want to offend anyone, but more attractive potentially for him because Brendan Rogers' performances with Leicester have been very patchy lately. I don't think they'll get rid of him, but interesting job. Everton aren't going to stick with Benitez. Potentially interesting job. Um, the Leeds United 49ers. Um, who knows what happens there? So... Yeah, it's a worry. It's a worry in that regard. And it's a worry for our big players too. Let's not let's not lose sight of that. Um if we suddenly if we go from thinking 
at the start of the season to Craig's point. Can we can we be that team that breaks into that top half potentially and becomes that sort of nine to ten range team? And suddenly we're then back to, oh no, we're stuck in this this constant state of fighting around the 15th to 17th, 18th spots. Basuma then goes, you know what? I think maybe there's more to this for me somewhere else. Trossard goes, you know what? Maybe I can get better situation somewhere else. And it spirals. It's just that one season too many, isn't it? The, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's always been drilled into, I guess, especially the players, players nowadays, that their careers are short. Um, you know, and you never know what's been said behind closed doors either. You know, you say to Basuma and Trossard, stick around for one more season. Let's let's see what we can do. And if we get to that range, then we'll all be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you never know what's been said there. You know, stay for one more or, you know, we're going to get to that position. If we don't, then something will have to change. Uh, ultimately, uh, it's gone again. But um, ultimately, you know, the reality is, is that that, it's probably been portrayed to the to the players, and if we're not going to achieve that, then something will have to change. Um, alongside the whole credit debit balance as well, and how much we're spending versus how much is coming in in gate receipts, especially across this period, mm. can we afford it? You know, if we get the checkbook out, how much is actually uh, able to be written down on it? Yeah, that's a good point. How much can we spend? Um, I don't. How I much, don't know. Yeah, how much are yeah. we willing to risk with everything going on? A side note, uh, Matoma scored while we were recording again. A USG won 3-2 with a 91st minute winner. Um, be nice for him to get his work permit. It really would. <laughs> it really would. Seven um, points clear they are at the top of that league. Unbelievable. They're going to be playing potentially Champions League football next year if they keep this up. Big give. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to end up becoming their feeder club. Uh, not the other <laughs> way around. Um, <laughs> You're going to start seeing Trossard wanting to go back to Belgium because uh, he's able to play Champions League football regularly. Um, not ideal. Uh, I, I would I would argue that we probably have a decent enough pot to spend because we didn't spend it in the summer, but we tried to. Um, it's just whether they're going to go ultra-defensive now if these things start going to shit in terms of crowds and TV stuff and all of that. It's a risk, though. How many more years are we going to keep risking it the Burnley way? Choosing yeah. to try and not spend, because I understand we overspent in the Hewton era, uh, but we've really cut back heavily under Graham. Um, heavily. And I understand that the signings we're making are excellent for the future, possibly, and are very intelligent, and you know there was a lot of nuance to those decisions, but... You, you have to think of the now sooner or later. You can't get too lost eight steps down the road um, because you've got to get through steps one and two to get to a step eight. And I, I, I sometimes yeah. worry they're losing sight of that a little bit. I, I do hope that they... I mean, it felt like I feel stupid trying to make suggestions to a group of people that obviously are way more intelligent and more dialed in than, than we are. Um, but you, you would hope to see that the targeting players... Look, we're not going to be able to sign um, a striker from one of the bottom sides in the Premiership because they're going to be, everyone's going to be keeping hold of those players to keep them up. I want to go look at the sides that have already sewn up a lot of their situation to a certain extent. Um, we've talked about Origi, Origi before. Um, who else can we look at from these these sides that have that backup striker that isn't getting game time um, that could change the situation for us entirely? Um, so I, I, I just want to, I, this, this is more about setting expectations for the fan base when we start to say, oh, let's bring in this amazing 15 goal a season striker. We just, all we got to do is put down X amount of money. Teams aren't going to give those players up in a January transfer window during a resurgent pandemic. It's not going to happen. And if it does, I'll happily eat my own, uh, put my foot in my mouth entirely after saying this, I just don't see it. I don't see it. Yeah, I don't. I don't see any drastic changes either. Um, we we started this pod around squad depth as well, especially during this this period of time. Uh, 
numbers you have to use those numbers um you you see the five sub rule come in you've suddenly got two more people you're expecting to play minutes um you need more options you need more people you need the depth i it has to be a very left field and it would have to be a lot of money in order to convince a team and a player to move during this window and there's a domino effect, right? Because this team's looking at Vlajevic at Fiorentina and potentially bringing him in and things like that. And that would help move things along. But even names like Origi, he's coming on. He's getting game time at the moment because Liverpool need to be aware their players could be out for COVID. They're potentially going to lose multiple players to the AFCON if it goes ahead. Um, those players that otherwise would just be either sat on the bench or in the reserves for them suddenly become important parts of the team, as you're saying about the depth. So it's it's a struggle. Lots need to happen. And, and this is what I think fans as a whole, we get frustrated at. We look at things and go, well, why didn't you just sign them? They were available. So it's just not quite that simple. Teams need to replace their players or they're just tanking their season and punting to the next time unless they've just got this surplus of players in a position which, let's face it, they don't. Man City don't even have striker depth. They don't have a striker. Yeah, it depends on your definition of Gabriel Jesus. He's looking more like a, a winger, isn't he? Yeah, that's yeah. where he's been playing. Yeah. When, when when other players are on the pitch, he's choosing to play a right wing. Um, yeah. That That's my concern above everything, especially with the way everything's going on. I, I worry that players we may well have been going in for in January are now simply unavailable. Yeah. Until the summer. Um, and if that's the case, then I'm more worried. Because looking at the squad we have, I, I don't know where the solution lies, um, which then becomes a bit of a concern. I but think we go also... into turtle mode, don't we? It's, it's then stick with what we have. Let's not concede. Let's stay up and we'll revisit this in the summer. So we have to be prepared for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the concern, conv- though. It is, yeah. It's, it's the convincing as well. You know, we've now gone 11 games without a win and you suddenly turn up and say... Hey, Mr. Striker, do you, you want to join this team that hasn't won in four months? It's a, a much harder sell for the human being behind that striker to then come to this club. You know, we can, we can show them the XG and we can show them all the chances we're creating, etc. But you know, hey, do do you want to do you want to move to the UK if they're abroad um, and play in this team that's really not doing well? And there's a lot of pressure on you to fire on all cylinders pretty quickly. Um, you know, th- yeah. there's not a lot of choice there either where it's like, actually, I'm I'm good for now. Thank you for asking, though. It also begs the question yeah. uh, with with health concerns and some players are taking it very seriously, especially abroad. Um, what? I understand that they have a lot of money, but there are going to be a lot of players that simply say no thank you to Newcastle too, based on all of the different intricacies around the weirdness that's clearly going to take part of this season now. Um, there are going to be players that, unless they're being presented insanity amounts of money, and even if some of them are with with families and kids and stuff, are still going to say no until the summer. Um, and that puts them in a worse position than it puts us. Because uh, they are objectively very bad. Um, and Eddie Howe has never been the greatest defensive mastermind in the Premier League. Uh, he's already dropped Callum Wilson. Um, they, you know, they already had a falling out at Bournemouth. Um, I don't know. Like, if that's if that's the way it goes, I, I'm concerned about the way we're going to keep going with things. But even Newcastle won't be immune to to those decisions. Um, I know that Manchester United are saying they want to get rid of Martial and Lingard, and people are saying, "Well, Newcastle will go snap them back up." Are they going to want to get rid of them in 12 days when they've got? 18 people with COVID. Like, I'm pretty sure, I think they have 22 people or something, don't they? In their first team, I think, like, their entire first team squad is positive. Yeah. It only, take, it only takes three or four of those to get kind of long COVID, you know, those long those longer conditions. And they're not going to be selling Martial no matter how much he wants to leave. It doesn't matter how much money they put in front of them. If, if Greenwood and Rashford both have positive COVID tests and are sick for two months, they need they need them. They need all of a sudden Lingard's becoming a big player for him. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I, I, I'm I'm cynical in the sense that I think money is a lot more powerful uh, for, for a lot of these players. And I do think the other piece is um, Newcastle will be very powerful in the loan market. 
um, because then it becomes lower risk for the player because Newcastle can turn around to a club that's got a player that's sat on their wage bill that has quality but isn't being used as much. Um, this is obviously not going to happen, and it's an echelon above. Someone like Edison Cavani, um, that type of player at another club, lo- lower level, where Newcastle come in and say, we're going to pay 100% of his wages for you. We'll just take him. Um, and that is where that becomes a little bit. I think they'll fit in some of the gaps there. And it also doesn't mean the player has to turn around and go, am I signing up for a team that's about to get relegated? And how do I, should I put my relegation release clause? I can't move out here. No, you know, it's just, it becomes a temporary situation. So I think they'll be quite active in that regard. My hope is that those players they do go ahead and get are happy to just soak up the money and piss off and just, you know what I mean? Just do nothing those ineffectual loans because we see them all the time as well mm. that are like, yeah, all right. And just provide nothing. nothing, provide nothing but a toxic atmosphere really. Cause they come in in their Bentleys or whatever. And they're just like, like, do you know who I am? Like, yeah, I'm going to be starting. And then you've got your, your Joe Willocks and yeah. Yeah. St. Maximum's that are already like St. Maximum, especially who's already, you know, a bit of a live wire on and off. He's not exactly going to be the best please. You've got your top scorer who's not even getting played midweek because how him play him? That's not going to help. Yeah. But they've, they're also in that. I know it sounds silly because it's tough at signing anyone, but it's same with what Leeds, Watford, and, and Newcastle all are suffering from the same fate at the moment where they could do stuff at the one end of the pitch and they're a mess at the other end. And it's hard to organize a defense halfway through a season if it's not there already. Like you can bring in quality up top and they can bang in some goals if they get the ball. Like that if we if we can find a gem somewhere, then we're in a decent spot. Coming in so trying to figure out Newcastle's defensive frailties is another problem altogether. So they might be able to bandage some of their stuff, but they they do have some challenges. And the same with Watford. I mean, God, I'd take their attacking trio tomorrow if you asked. Um, but I wouldn't take anything behind them. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, and that's that's the thing, I think, too, as well, right? Like, you've got Leeds. Like, we're talking about the funk we're in. And I saw Andy Naylor today saying Leeds will be absolutely fine because injuries will get fit soon. That's not it doesn't, it doesn't how that's not how it works. You've got you've won one game or t- what three two games all season, I think maybe two three uh, three. They've won three games. They've won three games all season, and they're they're there because they deserve to be there. That's not something you can just get three people back from injury and everybody's delighted again. Like that doesn't, you don't change that overnight. That's not how it works. Leeds have always been defensively frail. Mm-hmm. That's that's not something that I understand that it, they've got a lot of injuries, but that's not something that can get fixed with a couple of people coming back. Those people are already there in that camp, feeling the same bummed outness that everybody else is. Yeah, I know he's the greatest manager to ever walk the earth, but Bielsa, <laughs> like, not every, no, there's not really any manager that can turn around a funk that bad overnight. They are going to continue to get poor results for a while yet, and that sort of stuff. If you if you sat there on minus forty two goal difference, that you know you get everybody back fit February first. It's an awful lot of ground to make up. Mm. Yeah. Well, I don't know when we're going to be back, so I'm not even going to say when we'll see you, anybody again, because um, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Craig, hopefully we won't see you on the pod for a while uh, because well, you should be able to go home. Um, yeah, we should do. I, I was hoping to do some Brentford and Chelsea stuff, but that looks increasingly less likely. So, uh, yeah, if if I see you, I see you. Um, it's not looking too great at the moment, so uh, you may yeah. see me sooner rather than later. Yeah, we'd. I mean, we'd love to have you, but I'd, I'd rather you get to be able to go home. Um, yeah. Dicier and dicier, isn't it, as the days go by? Um, mm. Who knows? Oh. Will we be oh. recording Christmas weekend? Not a clue. Uh, no idea. Um, so do you two have anything else you want to cover before we wrap it? Nope. I don't have anything else. Just hope. I just hope there is a game of some sorts. Just give us a game. Give us a game or two. Um, that's it. That's all we ask. Yep. Agreed. I'm honestly surprised they haven't tried to rearrange some of the fixtures to this week before Christmas. 
squeak a couple out. I really am surprised because I, I think that they probably could squeeze one or two in. Especially with the Amazon deal and bits and pieces, they probably want to get as much in as possible. So to Adam's point, finance-wise, I'm, yeah. I'm quite surprised too, actually. There's a bunch of people sat panicked on Zoom calls at headquarters right now trying to figure out how they dig themselves out of this while yeah. also on the phone to, to 10 Downing Street trying to figure out what on earth moronic situation is going to occur there too so <laughs> nice yeah it's carnage uh it's absolute <laughs> carnage um we'll find out sooner or later so whenever whenever we play again uh one two or three of us will be on here chatting about it and whatever else is going on in the meantime um odds are we're not going to speak before so have a great christmas um we may not even speak after so we maybe have a great new year too uh, <laughs> We'll see. We'll see you in the uh, January transfer window. Darwin Nunes, <laughs> keep your eyes open. Yep. <laughs> Cheers, all. Thanks for listening. Thanks. <laughs>